morning, y'all. Hope you're good. Uh, glad to see you brave the weather. It's a little wet out there, but glad you're here. Um, I was just thinking, even before I came out here, how life is life is kind of hard, isn't it? Life is kind of challenging at times. And um, today, as we look at this series called The Limitless Church, we're actually going to be dealing with um, some of that. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, if you want to turn there. We've been there the last few weeks. Um, going to stay there this week and next week uh, as well. So um, we've been going through Matthew chapter 8, really looking at this. Remember I told you in Matthew 5 through 8, Jesus is really revealing who he is. He's revealing himself to the disciples and to those around him and trying to help them get a better understanding of who um, Jesus really is, that he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who has come to save. He is God in the flesh, and he's trying to get them to see this. And so today we're going to look at a way that Jesus reveals himself to them um, through a scripture that um, is, is really popular. People have heard it a lot where Jesus calms the storm. I actually want to start reading in verse 18 of 8. Um, this is when Jesus has healed people. He's done miraculous things. And a lot of people are beginning to follow him. There are crowds following him. And then Jesus lays out this cost of discipleship. So we'll read a few verses here in Matthew 8. Then I want to jump all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll read through some verses there. It says in Matthew 8, 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. It says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now let's go all the way back to the very first words of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, I'm not going to read the whole chapter here in Genesis, but I do want to read a good portion of it um, because I believe it's important for us to understand what we just read in Matthew chapter 8. It says this in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says, Now the earth was formless, and formless literally means chaotic. Um, it means uncertain. It's, it's really chaos. On the earth at this point he says it was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over what the waters and God said let there be light and there was light God saw that the light was good and he separated light from darkness now we skip down to the next verse verse 6 it says and God said let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And then verse 9, And God said, Let there be the water under the sky be gathered to one place. 
and let dry ground appear. And so it was. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. Then God, if you go on into verse 11, God creates the vegetation. He says, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. He goes on down, he talks about uh, producing plants bearing seeds according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in its own, according to their kind. And he says it was, it was good. And then in verse 14, he says, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and days and years. And so the side, the, 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 then the lights in the vault of the sky gave light on the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. And in verse 20, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. Then he says, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Then in verse 26, God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then he said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. He goes on to say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so in the boat with Jesus, we see chaos. In the beginning, before God began to speak and create um, life and the, the earth as we see it, um, there was chaos. And so as we get into this, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and its truth today. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you lead us into your truth? Holy Spirit, would you teach us? God, would you move in a way that only you can move? Would you move in our hearts and dig deep into our souls and into our hearts to uh, begin to work in ways that change us, that leave us, that today would be a day that we leave here different than we walked in, that we would uh, be more confident in you, that we would have greater faith, our faith would increase, God, that we would uh, be more bold and courageous um, in our faith, God, that, that we would be able to stand in the midst of the storm and know, God, that you are in control. God, I thank you for that. I pray today um, just for your spirit to move in a great way amongst us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name in Christ. We pray. Amen. Amen. So we've all probably been through some chaos, and one of the chaotic times I've been through was um, we were actually flying back. We've been skiing. This has been years ago. We were flying back from skiing. We were coming into the Atlanta airport, and we had no idea all this was going on, but as our flight is coming down, we're, we're landing um, and when we land, the pilot comes on and he says, I want to let you know that 
um, all of the terminals, I believe it was on the south end, it could have been the north end, but I believe it was on the south end, all the terminals on the south end have been shut down. Um, all the power's out, that, that no one can get in, no one can get out. Um, and you may remember seeing this on the news, but we were actually in the middle of this. And so our plane lands, everything's shut down. Um, when our plane lands and gets there, we go pull up towards where we would have gotten off the plane, but it just stops out there on the pavement. There's black SUVs with tinted windows and sirens going everywhere. I'm like, dear Lord, we are in the middle of a terrorist attack. This is what I'm thinking, right? And, and it's just chaotic, it's a chaotic scene all around us. We sit on the plane for three hours. For three hours, we're just sitting there waiting, not really knowing what's going on. Ended up being that there was a fire that caused everything to go out. But we, we don't know what's going on at this point. And so we're sitting there. And what was funny about it is the way my three children acted. So I've got one of them who's just nonstop asking questions. He's just asking questions. It's just question after question. Daddy, what do you think happened? Daddy, what do you think is going on? Do you think we're going to be okay? Or are we going to die? What do you think? 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 I don't know, son. I have no idea. You know as much as I do, right? I got another one who is just happy as he can be. They're still playing movies on the seat in front of him. He's eating every snack we have. He's, he's asking for Cokes. They're bringing beverages. He's just as happy as he can be. He's watching movies. He could care less. I've got another one who needs to be medicated, right? Like flipping out. Like, what's going on? You know, and, and what's interesting about that is as we get off the plane, it's still chaotic. We walk through, I literally have video of this, where we walk through the building all the way from the terminal we were in all the way out to the, the main road, and it is completely dark. There is no person in the airport. They don't even, there's not even anybody there to tell us where to go. We just got our flashlights out on our phones trying to figure it out the best we can. And then when you finally get to this place, you open up, we open up these double doors, and there's finally light, and there's just people, and, and just chaos, and just um, people lined up for, for, you know, it seemed like a quarter mile trying to catch a taxi, and it's just chaotic everywhere. And, and so the, the, the thing on the scene was that, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I went up to this, this police officer, I said, hey, 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 what do I need to do? What do I need to do with my family? And he points, he goes, you see those? And he pointed to some lights. He said, those are the emergency lights. He said, if those go out, you're talking about some real chaos. He said, I get a ride out of here as fast as you can. Call somebody to come get you before something else happens. I'm like, yes, sir. So we left. We go. I call somebody. They come pick us up. We get out of there. But, but it was chaotic. It was very chaotic. The interesting thing about it is this, though. We all handle chaos a little differently. We all handle it a little bit different. We all... We all um, process it a little differently but the second thing I would say is that we all go through chaos we all go through the storms but I'll say this the, the church is limitless when we know that God is in control even in the chaos when we can keep pressing forward even in the chaos as the church to accomplish his purposes the big question in that then becomes how? How do we keep pressing forward in the midst of chaos? How do we keep pressing forward in the midst of uncertainty? How do we keep pressing forward in the midst of the storm? How do we keep pressing forward in the midst of trial and challenges and pain? That 
becomes the question. And that's what I hope that the Lord will help us answer today. If you go back to Matthew chapter 8, if you can flip back there real quick, Matthew chapter 8. It tells us that these people are making excuses for, you know, kind of why they're not following Jesus or, you know, kind of reasons that it's hard to follow Jesus. And so it says, though, that the disciples got in the boat with Jesus. And you would think that they're the ones who everything's going to be good because they're with Jesus, right? Well, they don't go far, and then this storm comes up. And this storm happens. Jesus is asleep in the boat, but the disciples are freaking out. They go and they wake Jesus up. And they say, you know, we're going to drown. What are you doing? We're going to drown. You're asleep, and we are going to drown. And Jesus gets up, and he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And evidently at this point, and we've even read some of the accounts where Jesus has done so many things, that Jesus is kind of making this point. Haven't you seen all the things that I've done? Have I not revealed enough of myself to, to let you know now who I am and that that, that, that you're going to be okay. And when we look at this, he's really trying to get them to see. Think back to, to all the stuff I've done. Don't you realize we're going to be okay? But just to prove it to him one more time, he speaks to the wind. And he actually says this. He rebukes the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. That's astonishing enough in and of itself. But then the question that the disciples ask is, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? I mean, think about it, if you're in that boat, me and you're just sailing along. All of a sudden, this big storm comes up. I'm asleep over there, you know, in some, somewhere. And, and then y'all are like, hey, Brandon, we're about to die. And I'm like, peace. Y'all be like, What? And all of a sudden, Jesus does this. He just rebukes it. It's interesting is it's the same word that he uses when he rebukes an evil spirit. Jesus evidently sees this as an attack of Satan. And he says, he rebukes the wind and the waves and, and nature obeys. The seas obey. What kind of man is this? That even the winds, that even the waves obey him. Remember, Jesus is trying to reveal who he is. With that thought, I want to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it tells us this, that the earth was chaotic. It was empty. It was void. But it says this. It says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. What begins to happen? God begins to speak. The first thing that begins to happen is God creates light. And God separates the light from darkness. And this is huge because think about what Jesus did in the gospel and through his work on the cross and resurrection um, and through his, his ascension, the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus come and do? He brought light into the world and he separated light from darkness. And God here begins to speak and he says, let there be light. And he separates light from darkness. And this chaotic world that, of water that, that's just hovering, that's just there, and the Spirit's hovering, and God speaks, and all of a sudden, light comes, and darkness and light is separated. It goes on down, and it talks about how 
he gathered the seas together and he created the land. And in creating that land, listen, he gave mankind a space. And it wasn't just any space. It was a space to, for them themselves to be planted, for them to plant their feet, for them to have a place to stand. And then he goes on and he creates the living creatures. And he gives man this purpose on earth to cultivate, to do it in a way that glorifies God, to manage it, to rule it in a way that glorifies him. And he's bringing this order out of chaos. This place that was dark and chaotic and covered with water, now all of a sudden it's teeming with living creatures in the sea and living creatures on the land. And then he comes and he creates man and he gives life. The, the, the Hebrew word for life is ruach. And it can mean wind, it can mean breath, it can mean spirit. And so God himself puts his breath inside of us. And he brings us to life. And then he gives us the command. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And from this dark, formless world where water was covering the deep, the Spirit's hovering, God begins to speak, the Spirit begins to move, and beauty begins to be created. From that, He takes this and, and he, he turns this dark, formless, watery abyss into a paradise. I want you to understand this. From Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Scripture, you see where God, the Bible references God as being sovereign over the sea, sovereign over the waters. The Jewish people as a whole were, I don't know if it's, I'd say terrified, but they were very skeptical. They were afraid of the water. They, they saw the water as chaotic. They saw the water itself as uncertain. They saw the water itself as dangerous. They saw the water as, as a place that, that was just, um, you never knew what might happen, just as we see in Matthew chapter 8. And so there was an uncertainty, there was a nervousness about the water. And so throughout Scripture, we see places where God is sovereign over the water. Think about the parting of the Red Sea. What did God do? He was sovereign over the water. Think about the parting of the Jordan River. What did God do? He was sovereign over the water. You go to Psalms, like Psalm 65, 5 through 8, and you see that it is God who rules over the roaring seas. You look and you go to Psalm 89, 9, and you see where it says that God rules over the surging seas. When its waves mount up, it says, you still them. When the waves mount up, you still them. The sovereign Lord, he is sovereign over the seas. He is sovereign over the water. They're saying, the Jewish people realizing he is sovereign over what is chaotic, what is uncertain, what is dangerous. They're saying he is sovereign over these things. And then it brings us back to this question in Matthew chapter 8, where they say, what kind of man is this? who rebukes the wind and rebukes the waves. And all of a sudden, they're still. 
And see, these are men who knew the Old Testament. And their mind, like a Rolodex, is going back through these scriptures. Oh, this is the God, the God that, that, that stills the storms. The God who's sovereign over the raging seas. The God who began to speak the word. And, and he began to take this chaotic, formless, dark abyss and turn it into a paradise. Could this be that guy? Could, this, could he be God? Could he be God in the flesh? And Jesus is revealing himself to them and saying, that is who I am. I am the God who is sovereign over the seas. I am the God who is sovereign over all of your chaos. I am the God who is sovereign over all of your uncertainty. I am the God who is sovereign over everything that you could face. Everything you could face that in this life, I am sovereign over all of those things. And then we come to the Gospels. And the Bible tells us when Jesus entered the world, he entered a dark world. But he brought light. And he says that light was the life of man. And it tells us that Jesus overcame the darkness. See, when sin entered the world, the world became dark, not with light, but with evil. And Jesus enters the world as light. And the Bible tells us that the darkness could not overcome the light. The light has overcome the darkness through Jesus' death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through his victory over death, hell, and the grave. And he's showing us again that he is the sovereign God of the universe. And he's revealing himself as that. And now Jesus has come to separate the darkness from the light. It's why it tells us that those who are in Christ walk in the light. We no longer walk in darkness. The sovereign God has made a way for us to come out of darkness through his death on a cross. Through taking our sin upon himself. Through taking the wrath of God upon himself for our sin. So that we could have life. So that the condemnation of God would not fall on us. So that we wouldn't live in darkness for eternity. He made a way for us. He has separated darkness from life. You come and you look at Jesus. Jesus has given us a place to stand. Just as God created the land and he, he gathered the seeds together and he gave man a place to stand, a place to be planted. God too has, through Christ, given us a place to stand and it's his word. He's given us his word. He's given us his word as a place to stand. Yeah, have you ever just been in a place where you just wish you could stand? Have you ever been in the ocean and, and you walk out there and it's fine and it's about up to your waist and then the waves start coming? And you're like, oh gosh. You know what I'm talking about? You're kind of trying to keep one tippy toe on, the, on, the, on the, the floor of the ocean. Sometimes you've probably been somewhere, you, you, you're swimming, you get tired, you're like, man, I wish my feet could touch the ground. We need a place to stand. We need a place that's firm. And God has given us this place to stand in his word. Jesus has given us a place to stand even when we feel we are going under. We can stand firm in his word. Paul even instructs us, the great apostle Paul, who wrote most of the books of the New Testament, he even instructs us. He says, stand firm then, and when you've done all, 
stand firm. What do we stand firm on? We stand firm on his word. We stand firm on his promises. We stand firm on the fact that when I'm facing things that seem impossible for me, I remember that all things are possible for God. I remember this, that the one that stands firm to the end will be saved, that he's going to deliver us out of this. I stand firm knowing that in this world I'll have trouble, but that I can take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. I take heart because I know the light and momentary troubles that I'm, a, are, that are going, I'm going through right now are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. I stand firm because I know that His grace is sufficient and that His power is made perfect in my weakness. I stand firm because there's laid up for me when this life is over and these trials are gone. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness because of Christ. I stand firm because I know that one day God is going to wipe away every tear that there will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain. Because the old order has passed away and the new has come. I stand firm, I can plant my feet firmly in his word. I think about Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said this, He who hears my words and does them is like a man who dug deep and built his house on a rock. He says the winds, the waves, the rain, the water, it all comes and it beats against that house. It beats against that house. But, but, but here's what happens. The house doesn't fall. It stands. And God has given us a place to stand and to plant our feet. Even in the midst of chaos, God is sovereign in the chaos. And he gives us a place to stand. God also gave us this purpose, even in the midst of chaos, to cultivate the earth in a way that would glorify Him, to bring things in order, to bring, listen, to bring things back to His design. And here's the thing I realize, y'all, that we've never been in a season where it looks like things are going further away from God's design than, than, than they are right now. I understand that. Like things are going crazy. Thing, I mean, I'm just saying things that are just bizarre, right? You look at it and you go, that, that, I don't know how, where, how you made that leap. I got no idea, right? And we look at that. And, and we can't control everything that happens out around us in the world. But there are areas that God's given us to cultivate. Areas that he's given us to cultivate. We can't cultivate the entire world. So not, not many of us are given that type of influence, right? But what we can cultivate is our marriage, we can cultivate our marriage. We can tend to our marriage. We can cultivate our family in a godly way. We can cultivate our friend groups. We can cultivate our workplace. And some of these places are, are hard, right? Some of these places, it's hard. It's, it's hard soil to, to till. It's just hard to break the soil, much less sow the seeds. But you just keep, you just keep tilling. You just keep going. When I was working in the roofing business, I was working for a friend of mine. And, and none of us were Christians when I started working there. I got saved a little while after I started working there. 
one morning I'm walking in, it's early, I'm walking in, and I'll never forget, I could go show you the exact spot I was standing when the Lord put this on my heart. I'm walking in the door, and, and the Lord speaks to my heart, and he says, I'm going to evangelize this place. This is not long after I've been saved. He said, I'm going to evangelize this place, and this was the type of place that I was like, good luck, Lord. You may be sovereign over the waters. If you can change this chaos, then you, you something. And what happened is one person after the other started getting saved. One person after the other started giving their life to Christ. And the whole workplace began to change. The whole environment began to change. And if you were to go back, I guess now it's been, gosh, 20 years, 21 years ago that I worked there. 20, 18, I don't know, years ago that I worked there. And you were to take a snapshot of that place then, and you were to come forward those 18, 20, 22 years, and you took a snapshot of that place now, it is completely different. And you talk about some so tough so soil to till, and it wasn't because of me, but God began to till up that soil. God began one by one to, to till up those hearts and to soften those hearts until that whole place has been transformed. We've been given areas that we can cultivate even in the storm. Even in the storm, as we stand firm on God's promises, even in the storm, we've been given the ability to cultivate. Sometimes the soil seems bad. Sometimes you look at somebody and you're like, there's no way that heart can change. Listen, if God can change my heart, he can change anybody's heart. I promise you that. When I was probably about 10 years old, no, not that old, I was probably about 7 years old, I'd saved some pumpkin seeds out of a pumpkin from the year before when we carved a pumpkin, and I put them in, I don't know, I think it was like actually a pimento and cheese thing. You know what I'm talking about? Little, anybody like pimento and cheese? I like pimento and cheese. And so anyway, it's important, isn't it? Um. It was in one of those little things. And, and I remember one day going in there, and I opened the drawer, and I saw those seeds. And, and I took about five, six of those seeds, and I went out there. I said, Mom, I'm going to go plant these pumpkin seeds and grow some pumpkins. And she's like, well, those pumpkins aren't going to grow. I mean, you can go plant them, but they're not going to grow. Thanks for the encouragement. And so I go out. I dig some holes, and, and it's not even good soil. It's like hard, clayey kind of soil. And I drop these pumpkin seeds in the, these holes cover them up, don't think anything else about it. Well, I don't know, however long it takes a pumpkin to grow, pumpkins start growing. And pretty soon, I've got a pumpkin that's like this big around. I'm like, Mom, you want to explain this? Huge pumpkin. And here's the thing I would say about that. Listen, don't underestimate what God can do when you're just sowing the seed, even when it seems like the heart is hard. Don't underestimate. Keep cultivating. Even in the storm, even in the chaos of a workplace that is so bizarre and so crazy, you just keep sowing. You just keep tilling. You just keep planting. You just keep watering. You just keep going. Don't forget, even in the storm, you have a purpose. And don't forget that our strength is the Spirit, just like the Spirit was moving over the waters, over the deep, and 
And then God began to speak, and it tells us that Jesus is the Word. And God began to speak, and all things were created through Christ. And the Spirit of God began to move, and God began to create. And that same Spirit that began to create at creation, when we came to faith, God breathed that Spirit into us, and that Spirit is in us. And greater is that Spirit in us than the Spirit of Antichrist who is in the world. And so when the storm comes, we can keep pushing, we can keep stepping, we can keep going, we can lean into God, remembering His strength is sufficient for us. Remembering that He gave us a command, just as He did those, those, those first, um, His first creation, where He said, go into the world and be fruitful and multiply. Even in a chaotic world, even in a chaotic world, be fruitful, multiply. The Spirit of God lives in you. When things are getting tossed around, remember that God is the sovereign God over chaos. Remember that His Word gives us a place to stand, a place of peace, a place of rest. And this is how we go through the storm. We surround ourselves with other people who they know they've come out of the darkness into the light. They're standing in God's word. Sometimes I get people who will text me, hey, 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 here's a scripture that was on my heart for you. Here, stand firm on this. Quote this over yourself. You need to say this over yourself. You remember this. Stand firm in the word. Remember you have a purpose. Keep cultivating the enemy. Remember, who did Jesus rebuke? He says he rebuked the wind. He recognized that it was the enemy he wanted to stop the mission. Keep stepping and keep going. Because the Spirit of God is in you and He's in you for a purpose. To fill the earth with the knowledge of His glory. As I said in the beginning, life is hard. Life is challenging. I've been through my own storms. One of the first major storms I remember was when I was 14. I had a cousin who was 16 that died of cancer. Not long after that, about two years later, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Susan, was diagnosed with cancer. Almost 17 years ago, my dad had a motorcycle wreck. Completely changed his life, changed our lives forever. As you know, because I've talked about it a lot, I've had my own bouts of depression. Some of that was so dark that I did not think I would make it through it. Last year on January 20th, I lost my father-in-law, who was like a second father to me. And to be honest, with everything else I've been through in life, it was really the first time that I realized that grief can make you physically hurt. And that's not to mention the daily stresses and concerns and pressures and expectations that every one of us But I want to encourage you, and it doesn't make it easy, but it, it is true. And it doesn't always make it easy, but it gives us hope. In all of this, we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We can take heart because our hope is not here, but there. We can take heart because our hope is not in us, it's not in our job, it's not in anything else, it's in Christ. 
We can take hope because we know we can stand firm on God's promises because He's faithful. We can endure the storm because we can find strength in God's grace because He's sufficient. We can keep moving because we still know as long as there's breath in our bodies that we have a purpose. In all of this, we can still find life because the Spirit of God lives in us. He has breathed His Spirit in us. Think about where Paul says on the outside we're wasting away, but on the inside we're being renewed day by day. God, would you do that in us? Think about this, because even in all the chaos, the sovereign God says, if you'll cling to Jesus, I'll still produce fruit in your life. Think about it, and I realize that in all of this, in all of this, we can still show the beauty of God's grace to the world. And we can still fill it with the knowledge of His want to encourage you today and I pray today that our eyes would be opened as those first disciples eyes were opened that as they see the storm and Jesus speaks to that storm and he rebukes that storm and that storm calms and they say what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him here's my prayer for us today even in the winds and the waves that we can look back just as they did and see all the seas that God has calmed and that his faithfulness in the past would give us faith for the future that we would realize that he is the God who calms the surging waves that he is the God who calms the sea he is the God who tells the sea where to stop he is the God that parts the sea so we can get across to his promises. He is the God who parts the sea so that we are saved from our enemies. And in Christ, the darkness has been overcome. In Christ, we have a firm place to stand. In Christ, we have been given life and we have been given a purpose even in the midst of storms. We have a sovereign God to carry us through. And so today, God, I thank you for that. Father, we cling to that today. God, even in just the everyday stuff, we cling to your promises. Right now, Father, I pray for the person whose heart is unsettled. Pray for the person whose heart is unsettled. And I know this is a lot of people, but why not right now as you're praying, if you're struggling with anxiety and your heart is just unsettled, there's uncertainty, feels a little chaotic in there, why don't you raise your hand, let, let's pray for you. A lot of anxiety, a lot of concern. So Father, I pray for these people who are struggling. God, let them see that you're the God who calms the seas, that you're the God who's sovereign, that you work, Lord, work in a mighty way. Thankful, Lord, that you are bigger than our circumstance. And that what
what's impossible with us is possible for you. Lord, we trust you. We submit our lives to the God who calms the sea. Lord, thank you for calming our hearts and giving us peace. In Jesus' name.